Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I, I like to hear all this noise. That's good. That means there's folks here. And then somebody walked in and said, my husband's out trying to find a parking spot. And I said, praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? That's good news to a pastor. I promise you that. That means the parking lot's full. There's folks here. And uh, it, it's good to have the Doucette family here with us and got to spend some time with them and got to find out they like hockey. And that's, that's wonderful, you know. And they come from up north, way up north. And uh, but mostly on the west side, right, west coast there. And but praise the Lord, we're so glad to have them, their family, and what a blessing. God's using them, and God's blessed them in a great way. And and I'm just glad they're able to be here with us tonight. And I'm praying for God to do something for me. Amen. Would you do that? Would you pray that God do something for you? Sure. That God help you tonight. And uh, and we need His help. We, we need him tonight, and we need him to do a great work in our hearts and in our midst. And, and they're not coming to entertain. These are not entertainers. Okay, I just want to let you know that these folks, they've already told me we're not entertainers. They're not here to entertain anybody. They're here to praise the Lord and to worship the Lord. And entertainers, it's okay to clap for entertainers. But when you come to worship the Lord, we don't clap. We just give a hearty amen. Glory to God. If God moves in your heart, let him know it. And uh, so we're, we're glad they're here. We're glad that you're here. Amen. Got a lot of visitors here, folks on vacation. And it's good to have Pastor Jones here tonight and Faith Baptist Church, Charlottesville, Virginia, right? Amen. It's good to have you. And brother, if you would, just give us a brief word of testimony and open us up in prayer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sir, I remember that. Yes. 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 Lord, we thank you for your goodness. I pray you continue to bless this church and bless these people, and we pray for our guest singers and preachers as well. That you bless them, and I pray you bless this pastor, bless the vision you've given him, and I pray that Lord, this church and our church will always win souls, win souls. Yes. Witness and win souls until you come to take us home. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Paul if you'll come up and give your testimony. And uh, this is Daddy Doucette. 
Okay, this is the father. And of these young men that's going to be singing here in just a few minutes and, and playing these instruments and his wife here with us, Miss Tracy. And, and if you want any CDs, you got to see Miss Tracy, right? you got to see Miss Tracy there if you'd like to purchase some CDs. Brother, if you'd give us a, your testimony. Well, we'd just like to thank you all for having us tonight. And uh, uh, Brother Gordon and I were looking back, trying to figure out how we even got together. And uh, I, I guess we had, we had come together back in a, a meeting uh, a few years back, but uh, just glad we could uh, swing around this way and be with you all tonight. But um, just to kind of uh, give a brief history of, of how this all started, um, when, the, when the kids were little, we uh, moved down from Canada, from Western Canada, down to Houston to start a business. And uh, we asked our pastor up in Canada where, where to go to church, and, and he said, oh, there's only one church in Houston. So what do you mean? There's only one church in Houston. Well, he meant, he meant Shady Acres Baptist yeah, Church in Houston, amen. and so uh, we ended up in a great church. And and uh, as as the kids started to grow, they started to sing in uh, in the music school and et cetera, and uh, and then started to play instruments and and that. And it became pretty obvious uh, that the Lord was doing something with it. And they were they were doing specials on Sunday, and and uh, just the Lord was really getting in it, and they were just excelling and and. Uh, so um, it kind of became a thing for me where as uh, I always considered myself a businessman and, and uh, you know, that was, that was what took up my time and that's what I put my energy into and, and, and et cetera. And um, it was becoming evident that the Lord wanted us to share the music with, uh, with everyone uh, in the country. And so um, I, I kind of, it came down to really me making a decision of whether I was available or not. And uh, so uh, it took a while, but uh, you know, eventually I uh, I succumbed to the to the uh, you know to the will of the Lord, and I'm so glad I did. Yes. And uh, yeah. if you're if you're going through anything where you feel the Lord pulling at you, and you, you know He's wanting to take you in a direction, uh, don't ignore that. You, yeah. you never regret following yeah. the Lord and, and what He wants for your life. And uh, that that's really what my testimony is. Uh, you know, with our music. Uh, ministry and you know the 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 boys would be uh, their own testimony, but uh, it's uh, I just was uh, I'm just thankful that uh, we made ourselves available and the Lord absolutely provided for everything I was worried about leaving the business at home and and uh, and all the all the cares and troubles that come with that He took care of everything and uh, it's still thriving today and uh, and uh, it's all because of Him right. and so. Uh, we're, this is our last year on the road. We're coming off the road in 24. It's, it's our 11th year, and uh, uh, these, uh, these boys are going to get uh, just be in Shady Acres Baptist Church and serving and, and uh, getting ready to have families, and et cetera. So we're, we're coming off the road, but it's been a tremendous run, and uh, who knows what the Lord's got from here. I'm sure he'll, you know, as they have their families, it'll multiply and, and, and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, the, the, the book hasn't been completely written yet. So. But we're just thankful that uh, the Lord has done what he's done and, and he's not done so amen. amen thank you for having us amen good to have that background right now we're going to ask the young men if they'll come up and they're going to sing for a little while then we'll have a congregational song after that some announcements and then we'll let them sing again and then hudson's going to be preaching for us tonight i'm, I'm excited about preaching everything you're hearing right now is leading to preaching amen that's what god's going to prepare our hearts for the preaching and uh, just sit back and worship the lord
Let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done for me. How he saved a poor sinner. Now my soul has been set free. He has given many blessings, caused my heart to overflow. And I know he watches over me, watches me wherever I go. Let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done for me. How he saved a poor sinner, now my soul has been set free. Good to be here at Friendship Baptist Church. Thank you, Brother Matt, for having us. And uh, we've already enjoyed ourselves today. We went to, was it Magnolia's? That was good. That was, that was uh, a lot of food. <laughs> and I ate way too much. But uh, we're thankful for that and just thankful to be here. We're here to tell you about the Lord and what he's done for us. And like my dad said, he's been so good to us. And uh, we are the Doucette family. Um, I am Hudson. I'm the banjo and dobro player. And uh, next up is Hayden. He's, that is an upright bass. It is a different bass than we uh, would use at home, but it's a great travel bass. Um, we're able to fly. The neck can come off and everything, so it's a special bass. But it is an upright bass. We call it the keto bass because it's a little bit smaller uh, than our other bass. But that is Hayden on the bass, and the next up is Harlan on the guitar, and then that's Hanson on the fiddle. Uh, we do have two other siblings, Hannah and Holton. 
they're all H's, Hannah, Holton, Hudson, Hayden, Harlan, Hanson. Uh, but they got married, and um, I always like to mess with them because uh, we did lose two siblings, but we gained a whole lot of room on the bus uh, traveling. So uh, we're not, it's, it's a win-lose, I guess, situation, but we do miss them. Uh, Hannah got married and moved to Alabama, and then her brother uh, is living at home in Houston. And then that's our mom and dad. Uh, you saw dad, but it's our mom uh, right next to him. And uh, she's our moral support. And then our dad is our sponsor and uh, chauffeur. He's, he drives the bus and everything. Uh, but it's good to be here. And the Lord's been so good to us. And uh, we hope you have a blessing tonight. This next song is called I'm Excited. And there's a lot to, of things uh, to be worried about in, in the world that we live in. But there's a whole lot to be excited about. Uh, living for the Lord and, and, and uh, with the church and everything. And looking forward to what's coming. Uh, no matter what happens here, we have something to look forward to. We'll be with the Lord forever. And so nothing to worry about here as long as the Lord's with us. To be saved from a life of sin, he prayed for the master. Came one day and set me free. I was lost, but now I'm found by God's grace. I'm heaven bound. I'm excited for the master lives in me. I'm excited. I'm excited for the Lord lives in me. I'm excited. I'm excited living in victory. I've been washed in the blood, cleansed by Calvary's blood. I'm excited. For the master lives in me. I'm excited now to tell he can save your soul from hell if you'll just repent and trust the Lord today. When you hear the Spirit call, all my friends surrender all. He will save your soul and then you'll truly say, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Lord lives in me. I'm excited. I'm excited living in victory. I've been washed in the blood, cleansed by Calvary's blood. I'm excited for the Master lives in me. Just to know, soon I'll hear the trumpet blow In the twinkling of an eye I'll leave the hole I'll see Jesus face to face Praise Him for amazing grace I'm excited that the best is yet to come I'm excited I'm excited for the Lord lives in me I'm excited I'm excited living in victory I've been washed in the blood Cleansed by Calvary's blood I'm excited for the Master lives in me I'm 
been washed in the blood, cleansed by Calvary's blood. I'm excited for the master listen me. Oh, I've been washed in the blood, cleansed by Calvary's blood. I'm excited for the master listen me. to speak some came for wonders and some to critique but when people thought that he made harsh remarks many men chose not to stay but depart then he turned and he asked will ye also go away but Peter stepped forth to say to whom shall we go? For there's none like thee, and no one is done what you have for me. So I think I'll stay, for I'd never go if I ever left where I would go. Before I met him, my life had no meaning and swiftly grew dim. But now I have all I need with the Lord by my side. He's always been there in every need he supplied. And although there are struggles, some heartache and pain, here with the Lord I'll remain. To whom shall we go? For there's none like thee, and no one is done what you have for me. So I think I'll say, for I'd never know if I ever left where I would go. But there's no way I would leave him for anything, so I'll lift my voice and sing to whom shall we go for there's none like thee and no one has done what you have for me so I think I'll sing for I'd never know if I ever left where I would go so I think I'll sing for I'd never know if I ever left where I would go wonder about people that are deciding to quit, deciding to leave church and do their own thing. I have a question for them, and that is, where do you go? What, what do you replace this with? What do you replace the Lord with? What do you replace the church with? What do you replace this life with? And the answer is, there's nothing that, that will do what the Lord has done for you. There's nothing that will replace that void. And the same reason that we came to the Lord in the first place was because we, there was nothing that we could find satisfaction in the world. There was nothing that would fill that void. And just like there, then, 
There's nothing that will fill that void after other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's nothing that you can replace the Lord with. There's nothing better than the Lord. There's nothing that's more satisfying than the Lord out there in the world. And we could go around this room. This next song is called No One Else. We could go around this room after and take testimonies of everyone's life and what it was before the Lord and what it was after the Lord. And I don't know any of you, but... I see you in church today, and that's what I see. I don't see your old life. I don't see what it was without the Lord. But if you told me about it, all I could say was no one else but the Lord. That's all we could say after every testimony is no one but the Lord could do what he has done. And that's a blessing tonight.
every chance that I can. You may wonder why I raise my hand and why I shout amen. You may wonder why tears fill my eyes when I hear the old rugged cross. You may wonder why I live for Him and serve Him at any cost. But if you knew what my life was like before Jesus came and made things right and saved me from the mess that I was in. If you only knew where I would be, had it not been for Calvary, then my friend, you would understand. given me despite my sinful past no greater friend have I ever known than this one who walks by my side and oh what a difference since he came into my life cause if you knew what my life was like before Jesus came and save me from the mess that I was in. If you only knew where I would be, had it not been for Calvary, then my friend, you would understand. If you only knew where I would be, had it not been for Then my friend, you would something to me. Aren't you glad for the day God saved you, changed your life? Brother Charlie, you glad God's changed your life? Hey, Brother Joe, you glad? Hey, Brother Boone, you glad? Amen. Daddy, are you glad? Amen. My dad went to church about every week crying for 29 years. Preacher said, you'll be alright, you'll be okay. No, he didn't get okay till he got saved. <laughs> and when he got saved, everything was all right. Now, I, boy, I appreciate this. I, I appreciate the Boy, mom and daddy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for raising these boys. 
Thank you. Isn't that amazing? They come from Kentucky and they sound like they're from... No, they come from Canada they sound like they're from Kentucky. Isn't that wonderful? We thank Billy. And Billy back there going, yes. And I tell you, that's down home for you, ain't it? Right there. I tell you, that's good. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? And I tell you, I love good godly songs. It's going to point me to Jesus. That's what it's all about Him. Godly music is not meant for entertainment. It's not. It's meant for worship. This will cause you to want to worship the Lord. It'll cause you to want to raise your hand like this. You'd understand why I raised my hand. You'd, if you knew, if you knew what God had done, you'd understand why I say amen. You'd understand why I say glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's all I got to say. Praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, uh, oh my soul. I tell you, woof, I'm glad to be in church. Now, where would you be if you weren't in church? Think about it. Where would we be? What would you be doing if it hadn't been for the Lord that came by you? I'm glad to be in church tonight with God's help. If he doesn't change, change what he wants me to preach Sunday morning, I'm going to be preaching on what you miss when you miss church. What you miss when you miss church. There's some folks that's missing out on what's going on right here tonight by choice. They choose. They choose not to be here. What a shame. How can you say you love the Lord and you don't want to be around something like this? Man, where God's being honored and glorified. And may the Lord, and some folks can't help it. Some folks have got some things going on. And man, hey, the Lord knows all that. I'm talking about some folks who just choose not to be here. Look what they're missing out on. I'm glad I'm here tonight. I, I can't worry about those. i got to worry about me. I want God to work in my heart tonight. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all stand. Take your hymnal. Let's turn to page 495. Since Jesus came into my heart. Goes right with what everything we've been doing here. The Lord puts things together. That's wonderful. 495 in your hymnal. Since Jesus came into my heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought Since Jesus came into my heart I have light in my soul for which long I have sought Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart I have ceased from my wandering and going astray Since Jesus came into my heart And my sins which were many all washed away Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart 
I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure Since Jesus came into my heart And no dark clouds of doubt Now my pathway of sure Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart I shall go there to dwell in that city I know Since Jesus came into my heart And I'm happy, so happy as onward I go Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy o'er my soul Like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart Yes, I'm glad he came in. You may be seated and got a few prayer requests, announcements to make right quick and sent out 2,127 gospel mailers and got a phone call today from a man that received it and he said it's the nicest card he's ever received in the mail. I, I said, no complaints. He said, no complaints. I was like, wonderful. <laughs> I invited him to church. I said, sir, I said, where you go to church? He said, well, I've been out of church for a while. I said, well, that card was for you. Yeah. It was for you to remind you that there's a God in heaven that loves you. He wants you to be in church. And I invite him. I pray come. I hope he'll come. And But no complaints. But he said, I was glad to get that today. You just never know. God knows. He knows exactly where these gospel mailers are going. Ain't that right, Brendan? He knows exactly. What a wonderful testimony Sunday morning from Brendan. And I appreciate him helping me preach Sunday morning. He did a fantastic job. And I tell you, he speaks fast, don't he, Brother Boone? I tell you, he's quick. I'm telling you, you, you got to hang on if you're going to keep up with Brendan. And uh, sure to appreciate him, Miss Carly and Sela. And uh, we have our new mailers for Easter. This is probably one of the, my favorite ones so far. And it uh, says, for you... He is risen, as he said. And you're looking out of the empty tomb onto that empty cross. <laughs> Amen. He ain't on the cross. Right. He's not in the tomb. He's in heaven. Yeah, He's just right. waiting on the Father to say, go get him. Yeah, right. Go get him. And uh, I wonder, it says, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom yeah. I preach unto you is Christ. Yeah. I want this to get in as many post boxes, as many hands of people as possible. It's the truth of God's word. It'll make the difference. And we got the plan of salvation on the back here. And uh, there are boxes out here. reason I'm saying this, there's some boxes out here. If you'll take some with you, y'all know the routine. You know what to do with them. And uh, we're going to be getting them out. I'm, we're going to go fishing in Merle's Inlet area. A lot of the visitors we've been getting here lately from these gospel mailers are out of Merle's Inlet area. And we only hit two or three routes last year in that area. And I, I, I mean, I won't go fishing where I know people are biting, right? So we'll continue doing right here. But in the meantime, we're going to double up and go over toward Merle's Inlet and send out twice as much. So that's going to be about $1,000 a week for a month. And we normally spend about $500 a week. 
And uh, to get these gospel mailers out, that's 2,000 plus gospel mailers every week. And uh, so if you'd like to give more and get in on that, God will bless. I promise you, he'll bless these efforts. And I'm just glad we can do it. I'm glad I got a church who wants to get the gospel out. That's what Brendan said when he got a gospel mailer. You said this Sunday, you said, I knew there was a church that cared about people and wanted people to be saved and know about Jesus. And, and I tell you, I'm just excited to be part of a church that just loves the Lord. I, I'm like, Peter, where else would I go? <laughs> I mean, what else would you be doing? On, I mean, what else would you be doing if you weren't in church? You know, and I'm just so glad to be in church. I'm glad that you're here. No choir practice tonight after the service, but we will be singing Sunday morning. So choir members, make sure you're in your place. And then uh, Angel Oak Rehabs at 10.30 this Friday. If you can join us, you can meet us there at Angel Oak Rehab at 10.30 a.m. And then our Wild Game Supper is on the 24th. Evangelist Tim Green's going to be here. And I've uh, been collecting some prizes and things like that for the drawing after the preaching. And I always enjoy Brother Tim Green announcing the prizes and things like that. And I've got one that's going to, I hope, blow his mind. I, I can't wait for him to try to describe that prize and that someone's going to get after the preaching service there. And it's going to be interesting. I'm excited about it. Appreciate those that are putting uh, putting all this together for us. It means a lot. And invite someone that's lost. Invite because they're gonna hear the gospel. And and just invite somebody to come. And and uh, I texted Brother Tim Green and told him that you guys were with us tonight. And I said I heard y'all related by marriage somehow. And he said, Well, if they put me on the wheel. And he said, if they put me on their wheel, then he said, I think I'll claim them. And so, you know, if you want to put him on the wheel, that's up to you. But now, how are y'all kin? Would you tell us again? How are you kin to Brother Tim Green? My son married his niece. Married his niece. All right. Well, praise the Lord. And then uh, the 25th, we're going to have combined Sunday school that Sunday for all ages, except for the nursery. The nursery will have its place, but everybody else will be in here. Brother Tim Green will be teaching that Sunday school lesson on the 25th. Pray for all our outreach ministries. Pray for our bus ministry. We're already averaging more this year than we did all last year, and I thank God for that. We're, we're already averaging more salvations this year than last year. God's just continuing to bless. He, he never stopped. He just kept going, and and uh, we, I tell you, the gospel is still the power of God and the salvation, and we people need the Lord. And so keep praying for our bus ministry. Pray for all our missionaries. And one of our prospective missionaries is coming for our missions revival. He sent me his video today. They're going to Switzerland. And my goodness, I was fired up just watching that video, these guys coming here. And I'm just excited about missions. I'm excited about getting the gospel out to all the world, not just right here, but the whole world. And God's commissioned us to do that. Our missionary of the week's the Meyer family in Mexico. And they're excited about open-air markets and how they get to give the gospel out in the open-air markets there where they're at. And pray for them. Pray for their safety. But pray that the Lord bless their efforts and everything, people that get saved, hey, we got a part in that, and I'm excited to, to, to do that. And I, I'm going to ask Greg if he would. Would you just pray over some of these requests and ask God to bless the rest of the service? Thank you. 
that, uh, that they will meet again with you, Lord. And we just thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunities we have here at Friendship Baptist Church to go on up to our communities and reach these people. And you bless us in so many ways. It's so encouraging to see these young people saved. And we know, Lord, that it's not easy sometimes. We're challenged, especially when we try to do things on our own. Sometimes we don't rely enough on you, Lord, and, and uh, you, you, you're good at teaching us lessons, Lord. And we just pray that we continue to follow your leading, Lord, and, and never get tired of doing your work, Lord. We just thank you again for all that you do with us, for us, and we just pray that you be with us the rest of this meeting. May everything that's said and done is honoring and pleasing to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the Doucettes are going to come back up and sing, and then Hudson, you just preach when you get ready, okay? See Jesus in the air Coming after you and me Joy is ours to share What rejoicing there will be When the saints shall rise Headed for that jubilee Yonder in the skies Oh, what singing Oh, what shouting On that happy morning When we all shall arise Oh, boy, pouring Hallelujah When we meet our blessed Savior Yonder in the skies See all the same day, right through that jubilee that is just ahead. In the twinkling of an eye, change with them to be all the little things you find to that jubilee. Oh, I'm singing, oh, I'm shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, boy, pouring hallelujah when we meet our blessed Savior yonder in the sky. to sing, singing in the Holy Ghost, how the heavens will ring, millions there will join the song, with them we shall be, praising Christ the way this song, heaven's jubilee, oh what singing, oh what shouting, on that happy morning when we all shout. 
comes a voice like thunder. Depart, I know you not for the names written in this book are the souls that my blood has bought. Faces turn as into this courtroom the very seed of sin. He who was the saint's accuser must face the charges against him. With the fury of all the ancients He begins to cry It's not fair I almost had you On Golgotha I watched you die But then Satan He begins to tremble As his face to him was known from the throne came a verdict the lake of fire will be your home and I see every need is back As the redeemed, they begin to sing. Heaven's chords resound the anthem. You are our Savior, the Lord and King. And I see every knee is bowed. Do one more before preaching, and what a day that's going to be! 
When you think about heaven and all that's going to be there, the, the street of gold, um, the mansions, the tree of life, the, the river, all these things. But when you really think about it, they're just things. They're amazing things, but they're really just things. The amazing part about heaven is that the Lord's going to be there. We're going to get to see the one that died for us, the one that gave everything so that we could come and live with him. And we're going to live with him for eternity and have no cares, no sorrows. And no matter what happens here, it, it doesn't matter what happens here. We still have something to look forward to. And that song, it has two halves to it. The first tells of the people that, that get to heaven or they, they get to the judgment seat. And the Lord says, depart from me, I know you not. And then the other half is praising the Lord for what he's done in their lives and what he's going to do for them for eternity. And the question tonight is, which side are you on? Are you on the first side where it'll be, you'll have just regrets of, of not doing what you should have done before. And you'll hear the Father say, depart from me, I knew you not. Or will you be on the other side, praising the Lord for what he's done in your life? There's two halves. But the thing is, you have to make that decision on this side. You can't make that decision on the other side. You'll bow the knee to him on the other side no matter what. But it's if you have bowed the knee on this side or not that really matters. This next song is one of my favorites. It's called When I Go Home. The last verse talks about when I see the Lord. And it says, I'm going to see him as he is. And I'm going to know him as I am known. The same way he knows me. He knows me better than I know me. He knows my faults. He knows everything about me. I'm going to know him in the same capacity as he knows me now. What a day that will be.
Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. I typically tell a Calvinist joke before I preach, but it's not for everybody. Some of you will get that at 2 o'clock in the morning. I told that at one church, and uh, the pastor was like, "No, go go ahead and tell it, tell it." And I I didn't know what to do at that point. <laughs> Philippians chapter number two. I love the book of the of Philippians. I've gotten a lot of help from it. Uh, my favorite verse in the Bible, as of right now, because I'm sure it changes. Uh, from what season you're in, but one of my favorites is Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And uh, I just, I love, I love that, that hope and that promise that no matter, I, I fail, I fall, I do so many things that I shouldn't and don't do some things that I should, but it's his work, it's not my work. He's, he's doing a work in me that I cannot do on my own, and I'm thankful for that. But we're going to be in chapter number 2, starting in verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves." Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here I, I see a recurring theme throughout these verses, and that is the mind. Paul, he speaks of the mind throughout these verses. I believe it's mentioned four or five times. And did you know that scientists still have not found all that the mind is and all that the mind can do? The mind is the most powerful part of the human body. And this tool that we have is so powerful, it can change a person's mood, it can change a person's personality, and it can change who you are in general. Many people don't understand that you can become what you think about. And this is exactly why Paul tells us the importance of what we think about and what it will do to our mind. Paul tells us in his letters to the Colossians that we are to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Later in Philippians, he tells us to think on things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, lovely, good report, virtue, and praise. Because what you think about and what you dwell on will affect who you are and what you do. And we've never seen a time where there's more mental illness than today. What we're finding out is that what you think about and what you dwell on will affect more than just your mind. But here, Paul is giving us a way to battle against that thinking and against the thinking of the world. So for a little while, I want to preach on this mind. Let this mind be in you. And I'll try to get us out as quickly as possible. I know it's late. Um, even Paul, uh, I think it's, it's funny how preachers will say, you know, I'm almost done, or finally, or, you know, lastly, and they're nowhere near being done. Um, but if you look in chapter number three of Philippians, Paul says, finally, my brethren, and he's only halfway through his letter to the Philippians. So, you know, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Even Paul lied about being almost done. First off, I see that Paul tells us we should have a like mind. If we are to battle against the thinking of this world and and keep our minds the way the Lord wants us to, we need to have a like mind. In verse number 2, he says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. We are supposed to be here for the same reason, with the same mindset and the same goal. And that reason is the Lord Jesus Christ. Too many people are coming to church for so many different reasons. And they may not be bad reasons in themselves. Uh, One of the reasons I come to church is for the fellowship. I I love meeting with the people of God. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is for the Lord Jesus Christ and and to get help from Him and to uh, fellowship with Him and to worship Him. First off, I see that we have a responsibility as children of God, in having a like mind. There's a responsibility that we have as His children. You have to put in your part. You have to do your work. It's not enough for everyone else to do their part. It's not enough for everyone else to do what they're supposed to do if you don't do your part. First off, I see Paul tells us that we need to be in one accord. In verse number 2, he says, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. One accord. We need to have unity in our churches. You can't expect everyone else to cater to you and what you want to do and what you think. That's not unity. Every now and then you may have to let someone else be the right person. 
even if you are right, you don't have to let everyone know that you're right and that you're just letting them be right even though you know you're right. With traveling, I've, I've seen services where one person can completely ruin the unity in a church. It only takes one to ruin the unity. And there's, there has to be unity. First off, there has to be unity in the pews. It doesn't matter who you are and what you think, what you believe. This is bigger than you. This is bigger than me. It's bigger than any one of us. And because of that, we have to be able to come together with all of our differences and still get the job done. All of our opinions, all of our beliefs, all of it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. As long as we are working together to get the gospel out to the world, that is all that matters. The only reason why any of us are here is Jesus Christ. So there has to be unity in the pews. But there also has to be unity in the pulpit. And I feel that this is something that people don't really um, talk about or, or, or strive to work on. There has to be unity from the pulpit to the pews. The preacher is never out of the equation. And a preacher that is not in unity with the people of the church can keep God away just as much as any other member can. I've seen that happen as well. Not only does there have to be unity from the pulpit to the, the pew, there also has to be unity from preacher to preacher. And this is a, a, a difficult thing to preach on sometimes in, in the Baptist circle because something that Baptist preachers don't really practice anymore is unity with other preachers. It's kind of difficult with traveling sometimes to know who doesn't like who, who not to mention to so-and-so because something happened in the past. And so a lot of times that we've resorted to, uh, we just say what state we'll be in next because no one has anything against states for some reasons. I mean, there, there are exceptions. Um, but there's got to be unity if you want to get anything done. And I know that there's, there's things that, that can happen between church members, and, and there, are, there are some cases and exceptions to the rule. But a lot of times you'll find out that the story was exaggerated somewhere in the past. And they don't even really know what happened and, and why everything escalated, but they're not going to let go of their feelings toward that other person. There's got to be unity in the church. And any business owner that wants to get anywhere knows that you have to have people that work together. You've got to have people that, that can work in unity. And did you know that companies will actually want conflicts to come up in the, in the company? They want conflict. They want things that people have to, to work through. If, if an employee and another employee never have any conflict and, and only know each other in, in that, that first level of acquaintance... They won't be as productive as if they've worked through some tough times together and, and had that, that unity and that, that communion and that fellowship like that. And just as, the same as it is in, in the business world, it's the same in the church. Conflicts build unity. Conflicts build relationships. If you get through something together and work through it together, you'll be a lot stronger on the other side than you were before. But the problem that we see is too many people leave before the conflict ever gets settled. They don't see that conflict settled, and therefore, in their mind, it never did get settled. And they, you see people holding grudges and, and being bitter towards somebody all over the country because they never saw that conflict settled because they bailed before. Don't be the one that leaves just because there's a little tension. If you stay, you'll be a whole lot stronger. That, that relationship will be a whole lot stronger, and the unity will be so much more if you stay. So I see that we have to have one accord, be in one accord. But then Paul says that we must have affection. We need love. 
In verse number 2, he says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love. There has to be love, but not just any love. Notice how Paul says the same love. In some instances, we, we, if you want unity in the church like we should, we need to have some love for the same things. And I'm not saying that if someone loves fishing, you need to love fishing. If someone loves sports, you need to love sports. If so, sorry, had something in my eye. Um, if, if someone loves you know, working out, you don't need to love working out. If, if someone loves something that you hate, you don't need to love that thing just to have fellowship with them. But there are some things that you need to have love for if you want that unity in the church. And the first thing I see is that you need to have love for the brethren. You need to have love for one another. My pastor always says that you don't have to like them. You just have to love them. You don't have to like them. You just have to love them. And that, that is a great relief to many people because there's some people that you, just, you can't like. But you can love them with the Lord's grace. And this is the, the great commandment that the Lord Jesus Christ himself gives to us. And he goes as far to say that all the other commandments hang on this one commandment. And that is, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, Jesus is telling us, if you love right, you'll live right. If your love is right, your life will be right, and your living will be right. We are to love him and love each other. Not only are we supposed to love the brethren, we're supposed to love the Bible. We should have a love for this book. And if you don't love this book, you won't get very far. This book isn't just for reading at church. You are supposed to take your Bible home with you. And uh, a lot of times when we're setting up in church, we're there when no one else is. And uh, we see all the Bibles that are left on the pews. And I've been praying for liberty to do this but I have not had the liberty. Um, I I really want to pick up all the Bibles and see all the names and call them out in the next service um, and tell them that it's a shame that they're not bringing their Bible home, but God has not given me liberty to do that yet. We're still praying about that one. You should love the Bible. You should read the Bible. You should study the Bible. Another thing that you should love is bowing the knee in prayer. One way that you can tell who really wants God is who goes to prayer meeting consistently. Who comes and prays. Those who aren't following hard after God with all their heart won't be very consistent to prayer meeting. And what's sad is that that is the one most powerful things that a Christian has as a child of God. We have the opportunity and, and we can come boldly before the throne of God and bring anything we, we care, all our cares to Him. Anything that, that we care about, He cares about. But a, a lot of times we don't take advantage of that. We've got other things on our mind. We have other, other things to do, other important things to do, like we, we like to say. But nothing's more important than talking to the Lord. Nothing's more important than having a relationship with Him. Next, we should love boasting in the Lord. We sing a song, uh, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, nor wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and His resurrection. This thing is about lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ and showing the world how great He is. If we never praise the Lord and, and worship Him, how, how will the world think that we love Him? 
a lot of times we, we praise and worship so many people. Uh, I have a hard time. Um, there's a, uh, hopefully this is not a heresy, but um, we, there's a quarterback for the, the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud, and, and he has uh, openly proclaimed the Lord. And he, he, he tells in every uh, interview he has, he always thanks the Lord Jesus Christ, his Savior, for saving him and all this stuff. But a lot of times we start worshiping the player rather than the Lord. We, we start worshiping uh, and, and praising them for how good they are and, and how, how they proclaim the Lord, and, and we lose sight of the Lord in the equation. So we have to be careful about praising people, even, even if they're living right and all this stuff. But we should be praising the Lord, and, and he, the Lord is getting glory through that, but we should be praising the Lord as well. As long as the Lord gets the glory, that's all that matters. And if you show me a church that praises God, I'll show you a church that loves Him. And loves what he's doing and, and loves what he's done in their lives and is thankful for what he has done. And then we're supposed to love bringing the gospel to the world. We were talking about it at lunch with Brother Matt and his family. Missions doesn't just help the missionary. Missions helps the church. It helps you. Missions is a group effort. We're in this together. We're, we're not just uh, separate people doing our own little work. It's, it's all com connected. It's all for one purpose, and that's glorifying the Lord and bringing the gospel to the regions beyond. Let's get the gospel out to the world. Don't stop giving. Don't stop going. If you haven't had a chance, this is what we were talking about, if you hadn't had a chance to go to a missions field and see what's happening, see where your money is going, a lot of times we, we get this, this uh, misconception of what the world of missions is. And because if, if we live in America our whole lives and never get outside of America, we'll think that everyone's like Americans. No one likes to take a track. Everyone's slamming the door in your face and cussing you out in the process. But that's not what it's like in the rest of the world. We were able to go to Brazil a couple of years ago, and they would take anything you give them. It, it didn't matter. They would give their address, their phone number, their email. Give it to me. Just, just give it to me. And so we were, we were handing out uh, CDs with gospel music and some preaching on it. And we had over 350 people fill out all this information and, and said, you can come to my house and talk to me. And when, when they say that you can come to their house, they'll, they'll allot two or three hours for you to come sit down and tell them about whatever you wanted to tell them about. And so this pastor we were working with had 350 houses to visit because we were handing out CDs and people wanted them. And we handed out almost 100,000 John and Romans in just two weeks. I think there were 108 people saved in the process. And if, if you never go and, or, or read about you know, missionaries or whatever, you'll never know that that exists. You'll never know people are like that. And you'll think that everyone's like Americans. And so I, I strongly suggest that you find someone that you can go, some missionary that you can go and help. In Mexico City, we saw it, it again. People are receptive. They, they, want, they, they don't like what their life is like. That's the problem. Americans are satisfied with their lives. But in the rest of the world, they're not satisfied. They're looking for something else. And so they're, they're eager to get a Bible. They're eager to get something that will tell them about a better way to live. So, not only is it a blessing to missionaries, it will be a blessing to you, and it will change your life if you let it have a chance to. You've got to love some of the same things. And so we see there's, there's some things that you have to do. That's a responsibility as a Christian. But then, there's a reward in that. There's a reward in working to have unity and, and working to love one another and love these same things. What is the result of that? First off, I see that there will be cheer. 
There will be joy. Paul says in verse number 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. In other words, if we are like-minded, if we, if we have love for the same things and, and we are in one accord, there will be joy yeah. afterwards. Show me a church with no unity and I'll show you a church with no joy. What's sad to me is there's, there's so many times we come to a church and uh, after, right after the service, people leave. No one hangs out. No one comes early to, to fellowship with one another. No one hangs out afterwards or, or fellowships. We went to one church and uh, we had to tear down really fast. But within, I don't know, three or four minutes, we were you know, packing stuff up and we turn around and it is empty. There's no one there. And it's just, it's just awkward and it's sad because these are the best people in the world. That's right. There's something joyful about serving the Lord together with one mind and one heart. And there's something miserable about trying to do it on your own with no one else. There's something enjoyable about a church that loves being with each other. A lot of times in other churches, it's not like the other way all the time. In some churches, we'll come to there and it feels like a family. Everyone loves each other. Everyone helps each other out. They're, they're, they're uh, curious about other people's lives. They want to know more. They want to pray for them. They, they want to know when they hurt. They want to know when, when they need help. And gone are the days when, when people would, would care about others, so much so that, that they would do whatever it takes to help them and do whatever it takes to, to keep them in church and with the Lord. We have too many, uh, I've heard it said, we have too many drag racing Christians. They're always dragging in at the last second and racing to get out as soon as the service is over. So don't be a drag racing Christian. Not only will there be cheer, but there'll be a calm in the church. There's going to be a peace that passeth all understanding. In verse number two, he says, uh, in verse number three, sorry, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. There's going to be a peace there's not going to be strife. When everyone has their own mind and their own opinion in a church, there's not going to be much peace. And sadly, that's what we see across the country and across the world is, is people with their own opinion that is, is stronger than someone else's and they will not back down. There won't be much peace. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Strife means bitter, sometimes violent conflict or dissension. An act of contention, a fight, a struggle, an exertion or contention for superiority. And Baptist definitely comes to my mind when that contention for superiority. That's what's happened when there's no unity and love. Often we see that it's a never-ending battle of, of superiority to see who's better than so-and-so, who can get to the top, who can be the best church member if, if that's such a thing. That's what happens when there's no unity. But if there is love and there is unity and everyone has one mind, a like mind, there's going to be a peace that you can't explain. A lot of times... Uh, if, if you're having a bad day, sometimes uh, I, I'll have a, a bad day and just nothing really went my way. And I, I don't really want to go to church, to be honest, sometimes. But as soon as I walk through the door, it seems like all the cares just leave. And you see the, the people of God and, and the big smiles on their face and them praising the Lord. And you're reminded of how good the Lord is in your life. And it's just that, that peace that, that, you, that you don't get somewhere else. As soon as you walk in, your, your life changes. And that's what happens with that unity and that love. Not only are we supposed to have a like mind, we're supposed to have a lowly mind. Look at verse number 3. He says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Did you know that God does not like pride? In fact, God says that He hates it. 
Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Yeah. And if God hates it, should we not strive to keep it out of our lives? Yeah. I feel like pride is one of those, those sins that's overlooked a lot of times. And we kind of justify it, saying, you know, we're human, we have pride. But we are supposed to try to keep pride out of our lives. A lot of people are run by their pride. In Psalm 73, 6, it says, Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. They're bound by their pride to where everything they do is based on them. Everything they do is based on their pride. How far can they go? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be bound by pride like that. There are people like that, and dare I say, there are people like that in the church. But Paul says here that we are to have a lowly mind and avoid pride in our lives. In verse number 4, he says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Notice when he says, Look on others' things and not your things. He's not saying to look on other people's things in covetousness. Paul's not telling us to always be looking at other people's things in want or desire, because this is how many people operate. And I, I have to be very careful with this. If, if you know me for any length of time, you'll, you'll finally uh, figure out that I'm very materialistic. I like nice things. And if you were to ask me quantity or quality, I would have to say both. Nothing's better than a lot of nice things. But if I'm not careful, I'll start comparing my things to other people's things. I'll start just focusing everything I have on, I don't have that. I don't have what they have. I don't have what they have. And I don't get to do what they do. I don't get to go where they go. And it's, it becomes everything that I think about is all these things that I don't have that other people do. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, be thankful for what we have and look at all the things that the Lord has given us. And be thankful for all that he has done. So that's not what Paul's telling us to do. He's not telling us to look on other people's things wanting what they have. He's also not telling us to look at other people's things in criticism. We're not supposed to be looking on other, things, uh, on other people's things thinking to ourselves how much greater we are. How much greater we have it. And this is something that's alive and well in the church as well. That's not being lowly minded. That's the opposite. That's exactly what Paul is trying to tell us to stop. Too often we see in churches a never-ending battle of comparing ourselves one with another in a prideful contest. But the goal is not better than my brother. The goal is not better than so-and-so. The goal is Jesus Christ. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're trying to achieve. And one day we will become like Jesus Christ because we will be conformed to the image of His Son. And what a day that will be. But in the meantime, Paul's not telling us to be in, in criticism, looking on other people's things. So what is he telling us to do? What does he mean by, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others? He's telling us to look on their things in care. To look on others in care and love for them. We should care about how others are doing. Where are those stories when the church family would work together in a way that the world would just marvel? At, at the love they have for one another and, and what the Lord is doing. I hear stories of a family struggling to where they had nothing in the pantry. But they'd walk out to their porch and see groceries and groceries and groceries all over their porch. And the person didn't even care that the, if they knew who they were that put the groceries on there. They just wanted that person to have food that day. Gone are the days when people care more about others and how they were doing 
than how themselves were doing. I've heard stories of, of old men of God that would give you something just because you commented on it. You said you liked that picture. You said you liked their coat, their hat. And they would, they would give it to you. That's caring about others more than caring about yourself. What would happen if everyone in the church cared more about others? If everyone had this mindset that as long as they're doing okay, everything's okay. What can I do for them to make their life better? What would happen? What would church be like if everyone had that mindset? That's what Jesus did. That was his mindset. And that brings me to my last point, the Lord's mind. We're supposed to have a like mind, a lowly mind, and lastly, the Lord's mind. This is the goal. This is, this is the prize. This is what we're trying to attain. That's the epitome of caring more about others than yourself. Notice that, that the Lord, in verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Notice that he was as high as the Father was. That's, there's, there's nothing higher than that. That is, that is the highest you can achieve, is as high as the Father. And everything is below that. There's no higher than the Lord. But he was right to be there. That was his position. That was his rightful position as the Lord. He thought it not robbery to be equal to God. He's the only one worthy to be lifted up that high. But a lot of times we puff ourselves up because he uses us to do whatever. His glory is the reason we are here. Notice he was as high as the Father, but then notice his humble form. It says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He would have been, have been just in staying in heaven. He would have been just staying as high as the Father was. But he took the lowest form he could, coming to earth. And the only reason he did was because he cared about us more than he cared about himself. And that's the mind we are supposed to attain. That's the mind we're supposed to push towards. So why is it so hard for us to tell someone how good God has been in our life? Why is it hard to get a door slammed in our face? Let this mind be in you. And lastly, look at, notice how far he was willing to go. He says, in verse number 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This wasn't just any death. No one will ever suffer as much as Jesus Christ did to take away the sins of the world. Yet we're not willing to get a door slammed in our face. We're not willing to be uh, thought of as weird. We're not willing to be the one person that doesn't fit in. Jesus did not fit in in this world. But what about, it's, it's easy when everyone else is here. It's easy when there's a, a big group of people. Uh, we were able to go to a young adults conference uh, in Greenville, and it was, it was incredible. We went downtown Greenville, and I think we had 200 young adults, uh, college and career age, who were there singing hymns on the library uh, steps. It was, it was unbelievable, and so many people were coming by, and it, it was just a blessing to see so many young people my age wanting to serve the Lord as well. And it's easy, it's easy to do that when there's so many people. There were 200 people there. But what about when you're the only one? What about when it's just you handing a tract to someone or trying to tell someone about how good God's been in your life? It gets a whole lot harder for some reason when it's just you. 
Can I ask, at what point is following Jesus too far? At what point do you draw the line saying, I, I, I won't go that far. This is as far as I'm going, serving the Lord. Jesus never made a line. He said he'll go even the death of the cross. He went all the way. And every step he took was farther than he needed to go. Every step he could have stopped, gone back to the Father, and been totally just in doing so. But he didn't want to, because he cared more about us than he did about himself. And that's the mind of Christ. That's the goal. That's what we are supposed to work towards. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So as my family comes up for invitation, may I ask, how's your mind? Is there something in your heart keeping you from having the unity that we're supposed to have in the church? May I remind you that one person can change a service. One person can change it to where the Lord leaves. I've, I've seen that. We, ha- we were having a great meeting at, at one church, and one night was different. One night was completely different than the rest of the nights. The Lord just, it, it, didn't, it seemed weird. It seemed cramped. That the Lord didn't have the liberty that he should have. And later on, uh, one, one of the evangelists we were with told us that there was one man who was not right with the Lord that showed up that night. And he was so not right with the Lord that the rest of the meeting was completely different. and The Lord didn't move. And the next night when he wasn't there, the Lord moved again. And people got help. I've seen other times when, when one person, in the same meeting, one person would stand up and give a testimony. And it changed everything. The Lord met with us. The Lord moved. People were, got help. People were encouraged. Because that one person stood up and glorified the Lord. So can I ask you, which one are you? When you walk in the doors, does the Lord leave? Or do you bring the Lord with you? And people get help because you're there. And because you have that mind. How low are you willing to go for the Lord to get glory in your life? Are you striving to have that mind of Christ? Like Paul tells us about. If the whole church had the mind of Christ, we would see unity. And if the whole church had the mind of Christ, we would see the Lord moving in a way that we've never seen before. If the whole church had that mind of Christ... You'll see the work moving forward, people getting saved, people's lives changing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, I thank you for the service that we've had. Lord, thank you for um, just moving tonight. God, I pray that you can take something I said, take something um, out of this uh, passage, Lord, and help someone tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would have your mind, that we would have a like mind. Uh, a lowly mind, Lord, and not let pride come into our lives. And God, I pray that we would have the mind of Jesus Christ, that we would not care about what happens to us so long as someone else gets help. Have your own way in the rest of the service, and we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.